everyone. I am so super excited to be back. We're back with another exciting episode of everyone's favorite podcast. Kevin, who are we? TV channeling, analing, analing, analing. <sighs> uh, I don't know why the TV channeling interns can't add the echo in post production, but yeah. Okay, I when you it, find I do it myself. <laughs> When you find them, let me know. <laughs> my name is Tachi. And my name is Kevin. And we're about to get the party started. Let's get it started. All right. Yeah, this is going to be a fun show. So not only are we doing news, but we're actually reviewing a very special special uh, that was given to us uh, for a uh, to pre-screen by the good people over at E! Entertainment Television. And we are super excited about it. Thanks, E. I, at first, I thought you were going to say a very special different stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was like, wow, Kevin, really? Yeah, but we are E. Thank you so much for the opportunity to review this. And we're really excited. Yeah, it's actually called uh, one of their they're doing a series for the summer called Reunion Road Trip. And we're going to be reviewing uh, the different world version of this. And um, it's pretty impressive because they got the gang back together. So uh, they're actually going back to school. We got uh, Sinbad, Kadeem Hardison, uh, Daryl Bell. Jasmine Guy, Don Lewis, and Cree Summer all get together for a very intimate trip down memory lane. Yeah. And um, let's talk about it right off the top. I was shocked at how moving it turned out to be. Wasn't it moving? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, you know I am a different world stan. That if whenever we do show, how many times have I mentioned a different world on this show? Uh, easily a half dozen to a dozen. Somewhere in there. Maybe even a baker's dozen. <laughs> Which would be 13. And for good reason, because the show was just so so iconic and really did a lot when we talk about culturally what it did for the culture mind shift of students black students uh, attending college and looking to attend college people who had never even heard of hbcus before watched different world and were like i want to go to a historically black college and for that alone i i mean they even mentioned in the episode that enrollment at hbcus tripled because of a different world and for i mean for good reason who wouldn't want to step who wouldn't want to be on the yard and do all those things i mean it's just and then the the level of conversations they had in class it and having gone to an hbcu myself i can attest that all of that is true all right, well, let's give a little bit of background for people who may not know or may need their memories refreshed. So the show actually ran from 1987 to 1993 on NBC, and it was designed as a vehicle for Lisa Bonet. It was actually a spinoff of The Cosby Show. So the character uh, Lisa Bonet played was uh, graduating from high school and she was going to college. And so we were going to follow her journey from, uh, you know, moving out of uh, moving out of her house and staying in a dorm and going to a historically black college. 
unfortunately or fortunately for Zoe Kravitz, um, <laughs> Lisa Bonet got pregnant uh, and had to leave the show in the second season. So they wrote her character out and said that her character was uh, went off to Africa to find herself <laughs> right. and, uh, and also to find a nanny, apparently. So um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the show continued. Now, I will say I, 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 I can't say I'm shocked, but I'm a little disappointed in two things about the special. Okay. Now they they did not even mention in season one they talked about Lisa Bonet and that she had been on the show, but they didn't mention Marissa Tomei gets no love, no respect for her time on the show. She was on the show during the first season of the show, and they literally have just removed her from the legacy of the show. They don't even mention her. So, you you know, I don't know what the relationship is between the cast members and Marissa Tomei, you know, the subsequent cast members and Marissa Tomei. But, um, yeah, that they, they, they did not. They did show her picture. They did oh, have. For a, 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 if you blinked, you would have missed it. They bre- literally they show it very quickly. It's a she's a, a a white flash, and just like wait, what did I see? Somebody else? What, no, you don't even know for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all but you did see a little bit of video of, of her too. It was a tiny clip, but she was there. She was there, uh, and. I, I don't know. I'm not mad at that. She was part of the legacy. Maybe they could have mentioned her, but I'm not mad that they didn't because the show was not about her. Yeah, but they could. Uh, but the reason, okay, this is why I need I've, why I felt like they should have mentioned her. Clearly, a choice was made when there was a regime change. Not only when Lisa Bonet left, they brought somebody new in. They brought in Debbie Allen, and the show changed direction. And uh, they wanted it to be more like real life and really reflect the uh, the HBCU experience. And that's fine. So they made a conscious choice to remove their one white cast member. So talk about that. Let's discuss that. That's part of the discussion of the show and the legacy of the show and why the decision was made in the first place to even have a white character be on the show uh, in the time. Do they think that they could not hold on to white audiences without having a white character be one of the leads? Discuss that. Talk about the time, the choice that made to even hire her and the choice that was made to fire her. Talk about that. That's part of the legacy of the show. Also, I was disappointed that Lisa Bonet was not involved. Yes, she was only on the show for one season, but the show wouldn't have happened had it not been for her. So um, I'm sure they would have been happy to have her. Lisa Bonet may have, I'm assuming she chose not to be a part of it, but I wish she would have been a part of it. And I wish I would have loved to heard what she felt like the legacy of the show is. Did she watch the show after her time on the show ended? Maybe not initially in its initial run, but did she go back and watch it later and talk about and share with her cast members or her former cast members what she thought of what they did and what the direction the show went in after she departed that would have been an interesting discussion as well so i was disappointed in that also i feel like this could have been a two-part thing the um each one of these reunion road trips is only a one hour episode um if you remove commercials it's like 45 minutes and so i feel like it would have been even more interesting they do give us glimpses of some people who say their lives were affected by the show they even have a professor speak with them but i feel like it could have been longer and one of the cast members who's not present in person as well as debbie allen 
they basically show a glorified clip of her speaking, but they don't actually show them interacting or asking her questions or commenting on specific episodes. So I feel like it was too short. If it couldn't have been two hours, it should have been 90 minutes because I would have wanted to ask basic questions like, well, uh, Ms. Allen, what is your favorite episode? If you wanted to put like, say, five episodes, the show ran for six seasons, uh, uh, for the five years you were on the show, what was your favorite episode of each of the seasons that you were in charge at the helm? That would have been an interesting discussion. Um, the characters, what was your favorite episode or what, what episode rang truest to you? So I feel like there was more discussion that could have been had. I'm not saying it wasn't really good and anybody that's a fan of a different world should absolutely watch this, but I feel like it scratched the surface. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't know what the going back to Lisa Bonet and Marissa Tomei, we don't know whether or not they were approached to be part of it and they declined. That could be a very real possibility. I think that going back to Marissa Tomei and her being the sole non-melanated character on the show and, you know, initially, well, you know, that wasn't so much of a stretch because if you go to an HBCU, there are members, uh, you know, students that are not black, obviously, of course, they're predominantly black, but there you've got, it's very international when you talk about going to an HBCU. And of course you do have, um, white students who go there who, who do go oh, there absolutely. so it's not no, a stretch, i'm not saying you know? that she shouldn't have been but i feel like there clearly a choice was made that she was fired she was let go when for right. season two Correct. when lisa bonet left um because they weren't going to have uh her character um be pregnant um so that was why they got wrote her character out of the show there was no reason to remove Lisa, uh, Marisa Tomei. So to me, the question is why clearly Debbie Allen was behind that. She was in control. So I'd love to hear her say, well, you know what? I feel like there was enough representation of white uh, college students. I really wanted to focus on the black uh, college students. And even though, yes, there are non-black kids that go to uh, HBCUs, I wanted to focus on telling these stories. Let's discuss it. That's why I feel like if we're going to have a reunion and have a discussion and take a look back at this show that no one can deny was monumental and uh, changed the face of television and people saw something they had never seen before. Some would say almost haven't seen since. But anyway, that's another discussion. I'll I'll say that. I'll say that. (laughs) Some would say. (laughs) And those some would be us. Exactly. So, yeah, so I just felt like I would have wanted to delve even deeper into it. I do agree. I do agree. But we also don't know the time constraints of that that they have in terms of these because, you know, it's not free to air such stuff. So I guess they decided one hour would be enough. But I don't think, you know, like I, I totally agree. They could have had a part two of this. They could have made it 90 minutes. I 100 percent agree. Um, do we need to discuss why Marissa Tomei wasn't on there? It would be interesting, but I'm OK with not knowing. I'm OK with the fact. Well, that- but, but, but the reason why I think it's interesting to talk about it's because it's like, well, this is why we made this choice. This is why, because I wanted to focus on this. So let's talk about the different aspects of the show. And that's one of them. They didn't even mention her name. Um, they talked about like the casting and going to the auditions uh, to try and get their parts, the different characters, all that. Kind of, but they did not mention one of the original cast members. So it just feels weird. They mentioned Lisa Bonet, obviously, but they did not mention, they not, did not mention her by name. 
Well, it was Elizabeth Bonet's spinoff, which is why exactly. it was important yeah, they have to, to mention, mention her. her. But... Right, and to talk about, I mean, and even um, Kadeem Hardison, talked, who played Dwayne, talked about the fact that, well, he was brought in to kind of be that thorn in Lisa Bonet's side and Denise's side. So now what is my role? What am I going to do? You know? Yeah, when she was leaving the show. When she no, was leaving was, the show. That so, was interesting. It was very interesting. But I, I'm saying that while it is interesting why Marissa Tomei may have left what was the impetus for that or the catalyst i don't care as my, i'm talking for me i don't care as much because she wasn't necessarily she was uh, one of the main characters but it's not like she was central to the plot or the storyline which is why i mean if you think about it what major storylines did she ever have besides being quirky she really did not so she didn't need to be there I'm not saying they could not have developed her character a little bit more, but that then would have uh, defeated the purpose of having a show about black college students at a black college. Well, again, she's secondary. I, I, that's a fair discussion to have, but I'm saying having that discussion, why was she even cast in the first place? Why did the producers decide to have a white character? If we're going to tell a story about HBCUs, why was there even a decision to add a white character to the main? Because the initial show was about three main college students. It's, it's the three girls that you see in the opening sequence of the show. It was uh, Don Lewis. It was uh, Lisa Bonet and Marissa Tomei. They were the ones that were prominently featured in the opening of the show. So clearly the, story, the show was going to be focused on the three of them. And they were roommates. And they were friends. And so they were the main focus. And clearly over time, Whitley just, the uh, uh, Jasmine guys, Whitley just stole the show. Even as um, Lisa Bonet was still on the show, that character just resonated and America hadn't quite, hadn't seen a black Southern belle before. Right. And she just stole the show. One of the interesting things we learn in the special is that Jasmine guy, she had been brought in a couple of times to read they were concerned that she looked too similar to Lisa Bonet, which was interesting. And so, which is why we got the Whitley we got, why she turned that, she talked in a different way and turned into that Southern Belle and had that, that, uh, that amazingly annoying accent came to try and separate herself from Lisa Bonet, which they were concerned about, the fact that they looked too similar, which was super interesting to me. It was very interesting, but then they showed the picture side by side. I'm like, they don't look alike except for the fact that they're fair-skinned, but okay. But <laughs> but I, I maybe that's a fair concern or a fair point. I don't know. But yeah, I thought that was very interesting that, that the Whitley that we got, and if you recall in the special that we did of uh, characters you would not want to be quarantined with, yeah. <laughs> Whitley Gilbert was oh on my, my god, list. yes. And so it's interesting that that Whitley Gilbert that we love to hate and hate to love is it came about because of trying to stand out from or st separate herself from, from Lisa, Bonet. Lisa Bonet. Right. I thought that was very fascinating. Also, to give an idea of how successful this show was, um, it premiered to over 38 million viewers. Yep. Numbers like that just don't happen anymore in TV for anything other than like the Super Bowl or something. That is a crazy amount of viewers. And not that even the Super Bowl. The 
Not that, even yeah, the Super Bowl. Exactly. That shows the power of the Cosby show, the juggernaut that it was, that the spinoff of it, it the premiere episode of, of, uh, of Denise going to college got over 38 million viewers. Absolutely. It's huge power. Now, again, if we look at this in context, that was also, we're talking about the 80s, right? The um, 1987. 87. So we're talking about the late 80s at this point. And you still don't have... Uh, a huge proliferation of cable pa- people have cable but network tv still reigns supreme people are still stuck to appointment tv we all watched cosby every thursday right we all we nbc was on top back then and then uh, right after it at eight o'clock eight o'clock and then eight thirty, we all watched a different world so not only you not only is it you have a super lead-in you know, and then of course you've got a great show, which is a spin. I mean, obviously that that was ratings gold. But now, if we look at it in context, would a show be able to do that now with all the choices that we have? So I'll ask you, Kevin. Do you think that if Different World pre- premiered in this day and age in 2021, would it be able to do what it did back then? Sadly, we don't have time to discuss it because we have to talk more about Marissa Tomei. So, oh, Marissa, no. No. <laughs> I already told you she is inconsequential to the story. Answer my question, Kevin. Marissa Tomei. Huh. Marissa, we'd love to have you on the show. Um, let's see. Um, uh, no, I don't think that that's even those kinds of numbers don't happen anymore. You can't. I mean, look at the most successful shows in recent years, shows like Big Bang Theory. They weren't pulling in numbers like 38 million uh, uh, now. So the days of, of shows like The Cosby Show, the days of shows like Friends, mm-hmm. that kind of viewership. um just are not happening anymore the the marketplace is so much more divided than it used to be so some it's so funny there's so many shows back in the day that were canceled that only had like 25 million viewers networks would cut off their nose to get that kind of viewership today shows that were only had one season or only aired for like eight episodes because they only had 14 million 15 million viewers um th- today that that show would be a juggernaut oh they wish shows wish they could get 10 million in some cases forget about 25 so yeah it is but anyway it is. but, uh, but I, I it made me even hungrier we talked about this before on this show about having a different world um, either spinoff or a different world what's reimagining or Reboot, reboot, that's the word I was looking for. A reboot. A reboot. It would be so perfect to me to have one of the cast members, the original cast members, coming back to that school as a professor or having their child or their, and sadly, because of just how time marches on, their grandchild. It was so funny. We, Sinbad mentions the fact that he has a grandson. I had to, because I still think of Sinbad 
as uh, the A. Walters age. I, I still think of them kind of in that same thing. So when oh, I saw no, they're, him, they're, if they're ever trapped in our minds at the uh, um, as the particular age they were, I feel that's why I feel bad for the Brady the Brady adults because they'll forever be the Brady kids in America's minds because they will always be high school students. Like Marsha Brady will always be in high school uh, in America's minds. So when you are an actor and people kind of trap you and freeze you in amber, uh, you're, you're preserved in amber as a, as a sexy teen, oh. and then they be like, <laughs> and people are like, how dare you be older? Uh, you were a teenager only 37 years ago. Why don't you look like that anymore? I know, right? <laughs> but it, it just really took me aback. But I was like, Sinbad. Oh, Sinbad. Which means I probably haven't seen him in a long time. No, we haven't seen Sinbad in a in quite a while. So, right, um, right. Yeah. He, but you know what? Who Don Lewis? Don Lewis looks exactly the same. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. And one thing that was interesting, uh, Cree Summer, who is phenomenal and works uh, as a voiceover artist, she's in tons of animated shows. She mentioned she's going to be on a spinoff of SpongeBob, where it's going to focus focus on Patrick, and and she's going to play Patrick's grandmother. Uh, uh, Don Lewis is all, she's currently on Star Trek Lower Decks. I am loving her on that show, and I'm loving that show so much. She's so talented. But they really need to resurrect a different world. If no original cast member uh, is willing to do it, they just need to do it with all new people, all new professors, all new students. We need to go back to Hillman. We we do. I, I mean, in fact, I'm looking. That really made me say, you know, didn't I want to buy a Hillman sweatshirt or T-shirt at one time? Because they 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 have a lot of Hillman grad stuff swag out there. So I need to get on buying something Hillman. Anybody has some? Hit me up. Yeah, you need to contact the Hillman Alumni Association. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll see <laughs> if I can find their number in the yellow pages. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, they really, they really do need to resurrect that, and I think this is a perfect time when we're talking about everything that's going on uh, societally right now in terms of uh, all the different movements that are happening, uh, Black Lives Matter, etc. You, this is the time, and if if you don't know, there has actually been a surge. This past year, last year, there was a surge in applications to HBCUs. Um, so that that lets you know that there's this is the time for another different world. Yeah, yeah. get on this peacock. Uh, it's, peacock could do it. NBC proper should do it. Um, whoever has the rights, whoever holds the rights uh, needs to basically get on this and they need to reboot this show immediately. Exactly, because in everything that's going on right now, all the shows that are being put out there, there are no shows that are college-centered, no shows with black college students. I think this would be, I mean, and I'm not grown-ish. Because Dear White People is over. Dear White People is over. But see, the thing is, while 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 I enjoy Dear White People, it was... um, it was not so they dealt with okay different world dealt with the uh it was fun but it also dealt with heavy hitting topics but it wasn't just about race if that makes any sense black people are so much more than just black 
we're, oh, well, we're that's all... one thing that, that, that was said that was so amazing about what this show meant to some of the people that grew up watching it. Right. Was for the first time seeing so many different kinds of black people and not just different in appearance, but different in backgrounds. You had you had um, middle class and upper middle class uh, black students with uh, black students who had working class parents uh, or people who were just straight up poor all being educated, all having a group experience and coming from such diverse backgrounds and looking so differently. And they talked about that in the special a little bit. They touched on the fact that um, how important it was uh, to see themselves, that representation for uh, dark-skinned children to see uh, uh, people who look like them that were whip smart and going to college and trying to change the world um, because they just weren't growing up seeing that. They weren't seeing that. So... The show was amazingly groundbreaking. It is so important. And in fact, um, the uh, actress who played Kimberly Reese, her name is Charnel Brown, I think is her last name, but I know Charnel. She uh, came, She wasn't able to join them, but she came in through the wonder of the internet, through uh, in, um, Skype or whatever. So she was. Uh, they were saying how important it was to see, you know, the, for little dark-skinned girls all over to see her and how important that was. And it really is. It really was to let people know that, you know, regardless of who you are, you too. And she was, you know, studying pre-med. She was super smart. She was super dedicated. It's, it was such a positive depiction. So I think it's important to see that. I absolutely think it is too. And I, I felt bad for all the little Italian girls who no longer had someone like Marissa Tomei to look up to. I didn't. So that's something that would have been interesting to discuss. Not at all. Cause they weren't watching different world. Anyway. <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so we can't do the thing we normally do because this is only a one parter. So I think we both felt like we both liked it. I know I liked it. I'm glad oh, I yeah. watched it. And um, yeah, so thank, I want to reach out and say thank you to E again for reaching out to us and giving us a chance to uh, review it. And I do want to mention that if you're interested, there are some other ones. Uh, let's right, see. right. So, uh, they've also they're also doing a reunion for the cast of All My Children. Uh, that is currently available um, as of now. It premiered on June 10th. It's available. They did a reunion uh, road trip uh, with the cast of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, the original Fab Five. That uh, premieres on June 17th. Uh, and then there's uh, the Different World uh, version episode is going to be premiering on June 14th at 9 p.m. Eastern Pacific uh, Eastern Time. So if you want to check that out, check that out. Also, there, there will be a reunion of the cast of Scrubs. That's going to premiere on July 1st at 9 p.m. Eastern Time as well. I, I'm, I'll be shocked if these aren't hugely successful for them and they uh, should probably do more. I think so. So maybe this was just kind of like a pilot program for them to see how well they do. But I think there's going to be a, a large call for them to do other shows. What about this? What about that? So I, I like this format and I'm interested to see who else they bring on. And also, if you are listening to us, E, because we know you do, that's why you reached out. You're fans of the show, longtime yeah. fans, I'm sure. Anyway, um, <laughs> you need to basically extend the show. It needs to be at the very least 90 minutes, but I think two hours would be more like it. Absolutely. You don't have to do it all in the same night. 
exactly. I, I want to see. I want to see clips. I want to see longer form clips and have. I want to see kind of like a director's commentary on what was really difficult to shoot this scene. And there was a. They show like a little bit in the background while someone else is talking. A scene where Cree Summers' character was uh, uh, almost date raped. I would have loved to have them talk about doing that particular scene and 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 going there um, at that particular time in history, talking about that kind of story. One of the things we learned was uh, behind the scenes that they would actually go to real HBCUs uh-huh. um, uh, before they would start writing the episodes for that particular season, and they would actually talk to students and hear what what the issues they were dealing with the things that they thought were important issues and they wove them into the stories on the actual show, which is phenomenal. That's which is phenomenal. why it works so well. In fact, they mentioned that they went to Spelman and Morehouse to do this research every summer. And I, I'm like, that is phenomenal. That's why it turned out so well. Well, aside from Debbie Allen, you know, coming on board and having gone to Howard university herself, H U, you know, fellow bison. But aside from that, she, you know, they also took the time to, all right, well, let's listen and see what's happening. They didn't just lean on the fact that Debbie Allen went to Howard and this was her experience and this is what she said to do. They actually talked to students that during the time. They also featured college students. How do we know some of the extras? Because they had on fraternity and sorority um, gear. I noticed some of my sorors from Delta Sigma Theta in there. I would notice AKAs. I would notice Omegas. So not only did they, you know, have, and you don't wear those things if you're not a member. That's not done. So that shows that they actually had real college students or real students that are people that had been uh, in college at one point on set as well that understood. So that was kind of cool. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, we, we are definitely on board. So we suggest if you're a fan of different world, you absolutely need to check this out. If you're a fan of all my children or scrubs uh, or the uh, uh, queer eye for the straight guy, check out any of these shows. I think you're going to have a good time. Absolutely. So let's get to the news, Tachi. What is going on in the world of entertainment this week? Oh, there's a lot happening. I we, when we were talking, we were like and deciding what we were going to do for this show. We knew that we definitely had to bring you all some news because there's a lot going on in the Heights. Have you seen in the Heights yet? No, I have not. Okay, so this is actually the. Ah, re it's not a reimagining, it's just a an, it's an a film adaptation, adaptation yeah, like, of the Broadway, the hit Broadway musical. Right, by Lynn Manuel Miranda in the Heights centers on a love story and all of that. I have not seen it either. I, I'm not in a rush to get to theaters <laughs> yet. Um, well, it's available on HBO Max, but I, ha- I I have HBO Max and still am not in a rush to see it. And part of the reason is the controversy that's swirling around it. Okay, we'll talk about it. Swirl. All right. So the director of uh, In the Heights also directed Crazy Rich Asians, and some of the uh, some of the criticisms of Crazy Rich Asians was the fact that the actors that were cast in the main roles all seemed to be very fair skinned. Uh, uh, Asian people, also Asians that had bigger eyes. Some might even say ur- uh, surgically altered to have uh, larger eyes. Um, and so the darker skin Asian characters 
um, that like, you know, the Filipino characters or whatever, those characters were relegated to more subservient type roles. And so there was a lot of uh, pushback and criticism about that. And the sa- a similar thing is happening within the Heights when it comes uh, to the casting and that the uh, Latinx community is represented mainly by fair skin uh actors so basically giving the impression that the latinx community all looks like sofia vergara and uh yeah there's there is a range uh when it comes to uh skin pigment and hue um of of people that are in the part of the latinx community Absolutely. Absolutely. So then it's of no surprise <laughs> that the same, that that same phenomena applies to in the Heights. Um, I am troubled by this. I, I remember very well, I've taught a lot of Latinx students and I've had a lot of um, Latinx, Afro Latinx or Afro Latino uh, students. And I remember we would always have these conversations in class because I would encourage students to to really put stuff out there. You know, the college I taught uh, taught at, and they, a, a few of them would always tell me how annoyed they would always be when people would be surprised that they spoke Spanish or surprised that they were from Dominican Republic or Colombia or something, but they were also black. So there's this, this duality of being black, but also being Latinx that gets lost. And that's all always depicted. And I, I can't really point to any production where there is an, an accurate representation of Afro-Latinx people in there. And in the Heights is of no, is no different beyond the few dancers that you have in the scenes. Well, speaking of the dancers, so there was a uh, interview with the director, John M. Chu, that uh, someone from The Roots did. And so when he was being questioned about the fact that people aren't happy, that there isn't, uh, doesn't seem to be real representation for the uh, Afro Latinx community, he pointed out like, well, did you see that the that there were some dark skinned dancers in the back? Did you see them? They were they were dancing. Did you see them? They were dancing. Yeah, feel represented because they were dancing in the back. If you look, see them back there. Uh, you stop it. <laughs> There's one behind the trash can over there on the left. See in the corner, it's dancing. But see that that is now okay. So. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, let me ask, what time frame is In the Heights supposed to take place? Is this adaptation a modernized adaptation I have of In not, the Heights? I have not seen it, so I don't know. I've, I thought the original version took place in the 80s, but I don't know if they've updated it. I haven't seen it, so I don't know if they have, if it takes place today or not. But um, even in the 80s, black people existed, turns out, Tanchi. They had black people back in the 80s, I think. Well, this is the point I'm trying to make. Because even now, you know, neighborhoods shift and turn. So if this was something that was supposed to be in the 50s, okay, maybe. Oh, no, it is not the 50s. It is is the late 80s or the 90s is when this is supposed to be taking place. Correct, which is my point exactly. I the height stands for Washington Heights, which is predominantly Dominican. Dominicans are predominantly of African descent. You can't get away from it. You can't wash it. You can't. You can't. Wait, they don't all look like Sofia Vergara. 
It's rubbish. They do not. Most of them don't look like Sofia Vergara. I've dated enough Dominicans to know. Well, yeah, but you know what? I believe that one, did you see one dancing behind the light pole? There was, you saw his arms at one point. Did you see him? There was one. Well, then problem solved, Kevin. Problem solved. That's called representation, Tachi. You could see his arms moving in the background. All right, well. If that's what you say, fine. <laughs> Consider yourself included. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. Don't no. Don't bother human resources. We're good. <laughs> I couldn't believe he said that. I couldn't believe he said that. I mean, well, those are I, the type of people you you need not direct anything. You need not direct anything. Yeah, direct if, yourself to the door. Exactly. And, and, and the funny thing is, there's there's obviously there's talk because of the huge success of Crazy Rich Asians. There's going to be a Crazy Rich Asians too. I hope they find another director, or I hope that the blowback from not only what he did with Crazy Rich Asians, but in the Heights, that they have some diversity in the appearance uh, and the skin tones of the actors that will be cast in Crazy Rich Asians too. See, but this is the interesting thing, that you would think that when certain people get in positions of power to make these changes to the stereotypical images and that we've been seeing, they don't. They uphold the status quo. You should have been the first one, Mr. Chu, to erase all of these things that you saw, particularly. Well, you know what they need to say, Tachi? They need to say status no. Status no. That's going to be a T-shirt coming soon to the TV (laughs) channel's floor. (laughs) Status no. He should have been the first one to say, you know what? No, this is not right. Asians exist in all hues. They're from all different countries. And guess what? Same thing with Latinx people. However, especially since this is taking place in Washington Heights, and Washington Heights is predominantly Dominican, and Dominicans are predominantly largely of African descent, why would they all look like Sofia Vergara? That is rubbish. Well, see, Tachi, to be fair, in Washington Heights, there are a lot of skyscrapers, a lot of tall buildings. Not a lot of sunlight filters through, so which explains why they're all so pale in the film. You've never been to Washington Heights, have you? Not a single no. skyscraper, <laughs> not a single one. It's I, was all... try, I was trying to cover up for the director. I was trying to help him out. See, he can't even use that because it's all it's, it's apartment buildings. And, and so, yeah, that's it. It's, it's basically apartment buildings, some brownstones. Not a single size skyscraper. Plenty Doesn't of sunlight. the shadow of the bridge kind nope. of make it harder to get sun? Yeah. Of the George Washington Bridge? Nope. <laughs> Nope, not at all. All right, fine. So, I, 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 this type of controversy makes me not want to see it. As much as I love Lin Manuel Miranda, as much as I, I love his. This yeah, is this is no. This is yeah, a no. honestly, there's only one song from that musical that I really like. So I want to see the ninety-two thousand song, and that's basically that's the only number I need to see, and I'll be happy. Well, they probably have clips of it somewhere on YouTube. Exactly. So... I'll, I'll find a clip of it on YouTube, and that's good enough for me. So I'm very disappointed. In, but the, in... the movie did not it did not debut at number one. It only no. made $11.4 million at the box office in its opening weekend. Meanwhile, A Quiet Place is uh, getting loud at the box office. In fact, it's the first film uh, post-pandemic to cross the $100 million mark. Wow. So not too shabby. Not at all. Not at all. All right. Well, we'll see what happens within the Heights. It still has some time. 
Mm. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. This, this controversy right here makes me not want to, because if you don't, knowing what I know about New York and Washington Heights and, and have, no, this is an absolute no. It's, it's, well, first it's not of all, right. I'm mad about, I am mad at all of the people that are, are making postcards from Washington Heights, because I always saw skyscrapers in those postcards. I feel, I feel cheated. I feel did, cheated. Wait, did somebody actually make a, a postcard? That had skyscrapers with Washington Heights. I'm disappointed, Tachi. I feel like I got ripped off. I need, you did. I need to try to get my money back. Get your damn money back. Oh, but I will <laughs> say this: they are so HBO Max was doing a tour. I watch um a a, a YouTuber named Urbanist who uh, does city tours in New York. So I was watching this, and he did a an in the Heights tour. So he visited HBO Max has like these points on a map that you could go and visit all the different places that they shot. And they have, you know, some HBO Max people there with, you know, explanations and some swag and all of that type of thing. And oh, that's going to be really exciting to watch. I'm like, oh, so that's where that black guy was behind that trash can. Yes. That, that, that's the trash can he was standing behind it's, while he was kind of, he was dancing in the background. Fact, that is the main point. They're like, over there, that's where Jose was dancing. And that, that that's it. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yes. I, I see, it's a richer experience knowing where Jose was dancing. I feel good. I feel vindicated. Uh, never mind human resources. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, that's what's happening with that. Should we move on? Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, off of In the Heights is somebody who has fallen from high heights, Chris Harrison. Ooh, oh, transition alert. That was transition alert. That was smooth, Jaji. <laughs> like smooth operator like Sade. So Chris Harrison, if you don't know the story, he was the host for 19 seasons for The Bachelor. I believe they were going into their 20th season, um, <laughs> or, or they were trying not to have a 20th season, and they've succeeded. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so um, apparently he was dragged and reprimanded for for um, – uh, defending, that's the word, for defending uh, Rachel Kirkconnell, who was a contestant on The Bachelor, and she was found to, was it that she was uh, participating in some racist event and it was she, documented? Yeah, she, 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 was, she, did some, she was at some kind of uh, antebellum, I almost said Lady Antebellum, at some kind of antebellum they're, ball they're now or Lady something a. like that. They're now Lady A because of yeah, that. You know what thing. I want to say yeah. about What does the A stand for, Lady? Antebellum, damn it. <laughs> what does that A it's stand for? Thank you. It is still the same, but uh, I, I'm going to let not, you. You're not fooling anybody. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, and the funny thing is she was actually, uh, the, she was on the season with the with the very first Black Bachelor. And when it came out that she had uh, participated in this, Chris Harrison uh, came to her defense on a podcast with the very first female uh, 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 black bachelorette um, and he defended her and said that he's not you know going to judge or whatever do you have the pre precise quote uh, I don't I don't want to put words in his mouth but I, I think my words would be probably better than what actually came out but of his yeah mouth, I, but. I don't have the quote but you could go ahead and um, and uh, paraphrase I don't have the exact yeah basically quote. he said that you know the like the past is the past but I'm not gonna dwell but I never catch it with someone else no I'm sorry okay that was a wham song anyway um <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, but uh, anyway, it's like the past is the past, and he's not gonna judge, and you know, case Sarah, whatever will be, will be kind of thing. And so then, of course, he released an apology, and I think he claimed that he was meeting with black historians or some kind of thing, or talking to some reverend or something like that. Yeah, so all should be forgiven, but yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't know. So it was actually so. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, anyway, know he's who, still, he, who, whatever. He, I don't know who da- what damage control person started this whole kind of thing. Where whenever you get caught doing something, like if I say something anti-Semitic and just like you know what, I feel really bad. I'm meeting with this rabbi, and we're gonna like, all oh, forgiven. No. No, but like, that—that's. That, I don't know who started that, but it—it's it, a big thing. It's been a thing forever. Whenever there's a problem, go right into the heat of the fire, ask for forgiveness, and all is well. The power of anyway. So, um, apparently, be, before we get to the payout, uh, he blames <laughs> Michael Strahan. Who's the Good Morning America host? What? For the yes, according to page six, um, uh, he was furious that after he de- delivered this apology for defending Kirk Connell, that Strahan ended their interview by saying, "Well, his apology is his apology." Whoa. All right, you know what, Michael Strahan, you may have a gap in your teeth, but there's not a gap between your ears. Hey. <laughs> oh my god we're getting so in trouble for this episode i don't know why just like we're feeling way too loose in and, this I, episode. and i so don't care so <laughs> i so don't care so um strahan further said this uh but it feels like i got nothing more than a surface response on any of this and obviously the man wants to clearly stay on the show but only time will tell if there's any meaning behind his words Damn! Oh, hey, you know, I gotta start watching a uh, GMA again. I know. Wow! <laughs> and not only with him and and out Robin Roberts. We first of all, we knew, we knew for years. But okay, now it's, I'm all about GMA now. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so so that's who he blames for. No, which that was you. <laughs> <laughs> that was you witch you can't blame anybody else for what you said and the, here's the thing you said what you said what kills me about some of these people that try to backpedal and distance themselves from their comments is that they're backpedaling and distancing themselves from their comments and then apologizing and no you meant it you meant it and if nobody called you out on it or held your head to the fire your neck to the fire and your head you would you would not be apologizing so part of the apology tour was even the fact that michael strahan was the one who had to interview him uh on, on an abc show exactly as, a, as opposed to um oh my god what is this he he hosts the their sunday news uh sunday washington whatever george stephanopoulos, george stephanopoulos why wasn't yeah. george stephanopoulos interviewing him you know why i know why um, uh, it's all about the melanin. So the idea, just the same reason why, <laughs> if I start saying something um, uh, super, uh, um, you know, anti-Semitic, they're going to have, you know, uh, a Moyle interview me as I say, I'm sorry. So uh, th- there was no, th- th- Michael Strahan was supposed to be there to absolve him in the eyes of black people as a black, as a, as a black broadcaster. And he was not going to basically fall into the line that they wanted him to fall into and help save Chris Harris 
Harrison's uh, career on The Bachelor. Absolutely the hell not. He was not willing to fall on that sword for him, which nor should he have. It was it was effed up that they even asked him to, to interview him. It's like, you know what? You have 8,000 white people here. You have two black people working here. And one of the black people have to interview him. No, thanks. Let some blonde chick from Fox News uh, that is now migrated over here. Let her interview him and have him apologize to her. No, absolutely. Exactamundo. Exactly. Exactly. So, and and what the hell? Michael Strahan doesn't speak for all black people, even if that's what you were trying to do. He's not our representative. So I'm glad he say, he's saying I'm not their representative. So stop it, ABC. Even though he was representing, but anyway, well, we'll, he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was. Oh so, in gosh. any case, uh, it remains to be seen what's happened because they did have um, for the first season. Oh, sorry, the this last episode of the ba- Bachelorette. Did they have two? Yeah, they had two former, former Bachelorette yeah. contestants on the show as uh, serving as hosts. But again, this is an insanely easy gig. In fact, they could literally replace any host with some text on the screen. And they could basically just, and now it's time for the final rose. Or now let's meet the contestants. I mean, literally, the, the Chris Harrison did nothing other than, than cash checks because his job was insanely easy. Or sometimes he'd have to be be really somber looking like i'm so sorry you're gonna have to basically make the final choice wait i'm getting paid millions and millions of dollars to pretend that i'm sad that he's gonna have to say one of buy to one of these bimbos that he's known for 15 minutes oh, okay yeah this is a really sad moment for us all the show is really sad. How about that? You already know I am not a huge fan of the bachelor I think uh, there's too much crying which I can't stand I think there is too much the fact that people are basically, in a sense, proverbially fighting to the death over somebody that's probably not that fantastic to begin with. and sometimes actually gay, like the one, there's one former Bachelor contestant that came out now, and there's a couple other ones that are still in the closet, if you ask me, but that's just between you and me and the oh. lamp, lamp post over there. You... Oh, and you know what? And Carlos is dancing behind it. <laughs> way to represent carlos <laughs> we're no 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 that's okay human resources we're good <laughs> carlos is dancing on a lamp pole we got yes. it we got so it we're good we're good carlos is in there <laughs> okay so let's talk about the payout taji all right so the now i've heard i've been trying to find solid numbers beyond what i initially so last week it initially came out that he was asking for a 25 million dollar payout or he was just going to disclose the 20 years of dirt that he had on that's called blackmail it really is but i i I, I love that after after basically trying to give a pass to somebody who went to an antebellum party and he's what is he going to use blackmail why can't you use white mail (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, oh, now you want to be black okay so so absolutely so that's like 20 years of dirt on everything from on the set fights between contestants misbehavior including the use of illegal substances while overseas complaints from producers that were allegedly brushed under the carpet by abc execs uh, according to a source uh, that and page six is reporting and yeah so here's the thing he was making five million dollars a season and he wanted 25 million dollars to go 
Wow. You know what? The funny thing is, it's like, let him write his book. And it's not going to hurt the show. It's only going to help it. It's only going to be more publicity for The Bachelor. People are not going to stop stop watching that show because Chris Harrison basically tells stuff that anybody with half a brain can figure out was going on behind the scenes. In fact, there was actually a Lifetime show. I can't remember what the name of the show was. That was basically a behind the scenes of a show like the bachelor all the tricks the producers use all of the way they make but people say like they made me look like i was a bitch all the kind of things that they do to stir the pot and to make things happen and how they ply people with alcohol so when people are losing their minds and crying they're not in their regular state they have been kind of they've been sequestered even when the first episode airs people have been sequestered they built up things the people they they get people whose sanity is their grip on sanity is tenuous at best. That's part mm-hmm. of what gets you gets you a job on. A, that's what gets you to be a contestant on a reality show in the first place. The fact your tenuous grip on sanity. They're just like, oh wait, what? You have a a smoking hot out hot ass body and you're uh, and you're semi crazy. Um, yes. <laughs> um, the hot the hot tub is right that way, Christy M. <laughs> Right exactly. that way, Christy M. Exactly. Get no, in no. that hot tub. Get no, no, in human, that hot tub. No human resources. We're good. We got Christy here. <laughs> Christy M is in the hot tub. Yeah, we're good. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. And this is not a blanket statement for every reality show, every contestant on every reality show. Even though it kind of is, but go ahead. <laughs> but there is this, this aspect to many people on reality shows that they're – looking to be seen some of them are looking to make this a step up into a career whether it's acting or something else which is a wrong move but okay you know some are trying to use this as a springboard to other things they want the publicity they want to be seen and yeah it they are not picking people that they know are going to give them problems or that won't comply they're picking people that will fall right into that trap or that hop tub, whatever you want to call Let's it. Let's be honest. The only reason I am a co-host on TV channeling is because of my stint on the Real House Dudes of Los Angeles. I made my name there. Yes, I threw some champagne into people's faces and I flipped a couple of tables. But I wouldn't be here if that hadn't happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. I served my time in the hot tub and that's how I got here. I started at the bottom and now I'm here. And you could look for that pilot coming to a an ABC near you in 2027. There's several anyway. lawsuits that are holding it back. But if it weren't for that show, I would not have gotten the audition to be a co-host on TV channel. You're, okay, great. That's how you made it? <laughs> that, that's how I you started, made it here? I, taught you, I started on the bottom. Now I'm here. Okay, Drake. so let's go to the next story all right so off of the bachelor on to somebody who may be a bachelor because he caught uh some heat for some improprieties he can't be married yeah he can't be married with this behavior or if he is so our friend jeffrey tubin is back at cnn eight months after exposing himself on zoom not just exposing it wasn't he was he exposing? exposing and interacting with and interacting with yeah so he returned to cnn as the chief legal analyst last thursday which is eight months after he exposed himself during a zoom call with colleagues at the new yorker so if you don't know he was uh on staff at the new yorker as well as cnn so in both places 
So he was interviewed by Allison Camerata on CNN Newsroom about the incident. And this is what um, she asked him. I feel like we should address what's happened in the months since we've seen you. Kind of like you said they should have done with Marissa Tomei on the thing, but I they digress. should have addressed it. Anyway. <laughs> so Camerata also said, to quote Jay Leno, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> and you know if it turned out marissa tomei was masturbating in front of her colleagues on the show then i'm like yeah they should have let her go oh wow <laughs> kevin wow <laughs> so this is what tubin said he described himself as a quote flawed human being who makes mistakes and also <laughs> <laughs> wow. oh god that is generous no, a mistake is you knock over your camera during a Zoom call. That's a mistake, okay? And he said his conduct was deeply moronic and indefensible. He also added, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think other people could see me. But, <laughs> which would have made it okay. But yeah, which would have made it okay. But he admitted that this was no defense. No, it's not. Why are you on Why there? even say it then? Go to the damn bathroom, okay? If you have to go, excuse yourself. If you are that animalistic that you cannot wait, excuse yourself. I got to say, how hot are the fellow people working at the New Yorker that the moment that he thought that the, the conference, they couldn't see him during the conference call, you're like, oh, yeah, let's do this. I mean, I need to see that staff. Oh, my God. Because they are bringing the heat. Well, heat or not. He Wait a minute. You know what? Did they have a bunch of sexy teen interns? Oh, God. Day, don't. I cannot. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. The whole thing is just like absolutely bizarre. But he expressed apologies to his wife and family, to the people who were on the Zoom call that day, and to his colleagues. He said, and I'm sorry to the people who read my work and watched me on CNN who thought I was a better person than this. And so, you know, I've got a lot to rebuild, but I feel very privileged, privileged being the key thing, and lucky that I'm going to be able to try to do that. He's, wait, wait, I, I have more. Oh, dear he, God. Okay. He said he spent his miserable months off air trying to be a better person. He mentioned therapy, public service like working at a food bank, and a forthcoming book about the Oklahoma City bombing. I'm trying to become the kind of person that people can trust again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't eat any of that soup. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I'm not shaking your hand. Mm -hmm. Never mind COVID. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Wait, uh, is that mayo on these sandwiches? Yeah, Kevin. Kevin, yeah. I, I, I just asked a question. Family I, show. Family I just, show. That was, all I said was, is, oh, is that mayo? I wasn't sure why they use mustard, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I just questioned about the soup kitchen. I don't, I don't know how it works. Human resources, I'd like to make a complaint. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to go over here and dance behind this light pole. Please do. <laughs> no, we're good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we need to move on before I say anything else. Yeah, I know. Let's move on to. Oh, uh, you are going to say something else, and I'm a little. I scared. know we're about to. It's about to get worse. <laughs> From bad to worse, Army Hamer 
Hammer. Hammer. Sorry, I keep saying Hammer because I'm thinking Fannie Lou Hammer. Army Hammer has checked into a treatment program. Uh, apparently, Finally. he has a lot, of, a lot of trauma that he can't not deal with um, stillness. He can't face himself. He can't sit alone with his stuff. Hmm. So early yeah. on the morning of May 29th, he arrived at the Grand Cayman Airport to leave the island for the first time since the March 18th press conference where a woman named Effie accused him of rape. So he has denied any wrongdoing through his lawyer, uh, departed the Caymans to check into an inpatient facility for drug, alcohol, and sex issues, according to three sources. Now, I don't know I love about how he you. didn't do anything, but he needs to go to rehab. I'm completely sex innocent, did issues. nothing wrong. Yeah. Drugs and alcohol, maybe, but since you had said put sex issues, sex issues in there, clearly you know you have some kind of problem. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, um, um, a desire to eat human flesh, but that's another story. Oh, my God. So he, uh, close to, sources close to him confirmed that he reached out um, in May asking for help uh, to his estranged wife, uh, Chambers, Elizabeth Estranged for a reason. You know? Right? Exactly. Uh, asking for all help. her girlfriends. When the story came out about the whole cannibalism thing, all his, all her friends, girlfriends were like high fiving. They're all like Chardonnay all day, bitch. I'm glad you dumped him. Um. Oh wow. I can't even. I can't okay. Even... So tell us about that. That I did not. Apparently know there was. Yeah. That he was apparently the some uh, women have released some DMs where he talked about wanting to like eat them as in eat their flesh, not perform oral sex on them. Yes, this is a family show. I know. But um, I want to make sure when I say eat, people might be confused. Well, what is that? That seems okay to me. No, but with a knife and fork. So not cool. Well, I'm glad you gave him that much coot that he would have used a knife and fork. <laughs> well, supposedly it's supposed to be like a fantasy or something like that, potentially, or whatever, but just weird. Weird. You know what? He comes from old money. Army Hammer, as in the Arm & Hammer, baking soda company, how they put baking soda in absolutely everything. He comes from old money. You can't come from old money without being somewhat effed up, apparently. And crazy. Don't forget, crazy. All kinds of crazy. So in the aftermath of these allegations, he stepped away from too high, stepped away or forced away by two hot from two high profile high profile projects, a rom com with Jennifer Lopez and a Paramount Plus series about the making of The Godfather. He's also been dropped by his agency WME. And also, he was supposed to be there's supposed to be a sequel to Call Me by Your Name. Oh yes, 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 and that too, but that's gone. Yeah, you know, call me food is what he wanted to star in. But anyway, okay. Oh my goodness! So I, the idea that you can just go to rehab and all will be forgiven. I mean, if if they if they release pictures of him meeting with some black pastor, I am just gonna be too through. And Rabbi, stay away from him too. I. It, it, <laughs> I'm gonna get. I'm not even gonna be mad at him. I'm gonna be mad at the pastor. Exactly. Mad at you, Rabbi. Stay away from him. Don't try. Exactly. Don't try and absolve him. No. And I don't want to see. Uh, and yeah, no women's groups. Don't be hugging him tearfully or anything like that in some photos. No. Mm-mm, no. No. I. But you know, this is this is the interesting thing. Can there be? And I don't want to get philosophical, but can oh, there don't be? Don't you talk true, about redemption? Yeah, can there be true redemption? 
Can well, you know be. what? You can be redeemed at home. Let your fa- let your ex wife and your family uh, let them let your kids redeem you and forgive you, and you stay the hell off of my TV, stay out of my movie theaters. You can be forgiven by the people who know and love you, and need to look past this to sleep at night. Those kids that find out their father is uh, being accused of raping people and assaulting people, and trying to talk women into letting him eat them. Yeah, they he needs to reach out to get forgiven by them. He doesn't need to be forgiven by me, the movie going public. Again, he comes from old money. He will eat. His children will eat. I mean, okay, I shouldn't say eat. That's they will the eat wrong. Lunchables. Lunchables. Only not lunchables? people. Not human, not human flesh. Mm. I think now that whole family should become vegetarians. What do you think? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no, hardcore vegans. Yeah. Vegans, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know what? Me forgiving Army Hammer or his redemption is as impossible as those impossible burgers. Well, I guess I have my answer for this. Thank you. You're Let's welcome. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> Let's move we on. We got a lot to cover. <laughs> because that story just disgusts me. Okay, so we let's talk a little bit about some. There's a couple of cancellations. It, it seems like you remember there was like a, a specific time that stuff was canceled, and now it just seems like it just, any it old time. Out. Yeah, we we already did our TV bloodbath episode, as you know, where we talk about all the shows that got canceled and some of the new shows that are coming in the fall. But there were a few holdouts where they hadn't been announcements yet. One of those shows is Peacock's new hit girls five ever and i believe that the incredibly positive review they got here on tv channeling was intrinsic you notice how nbc waited until after our episode came out before they made their final decision i'm sure it was all us as so, as so is tachi and kevin go so does peacock So I'm very happy for the ladies over at Girls 5 Eva and another show that where the hammer came down. uh, Maybe it was Thor's hammer was Netflix's uh, Jupiter's Legacy. The Legacy is a very short lived one because it only got one season. The show um, uh, had budget issues and all, a host of other behind-the-scenes issues. But initially, the creator, or, or should say the uh, showrunner and the director, wanted $12 million per episode. They fought with uh, the network, and they uh, they uh, pushed them down to something like 8 or $9 million per episode. But then with all of the additional shoots that needed to be had after the fact, as well as all of the special effects and the other consultants they had to bring in to try and put the ship right rewrite the ship it ended up costing way more so some estimates say that that season uh that eight episode season cost more than 200 million dollars and the funny thing is if you're going to do a superhero show and do it right you got to look over what's going on at disney plus disney plus they spend 15 to 20 million dollars per episode for wandavision and uh, falcon and the winter soldier so the reason why those shows look cinematic and and movies movie quality is because they spend that kind of money so netflix was hoping to expand their uh have their own universe and reach into right. this whole rich these these uh these uh, uh comic books these graphic novels or whatever the hell they were um yeah you're gonna have to spend some money netflix loosen those purse strings they were trying to compete with Disney, basically, because Disney, of course, has Star Wars. They've got Marvel, uh, but but they have a long history of producing, not 
Disney, but Star Wars and Marvel has this long before they were acquired has this long history of producing those types of things. So they they know and they're prepared for the type of money they need to spend, but they also understand how to work things within a budget. Correct. So when you're looking at this, I'm like, this is what I'm thinking. We we reviewed a couple of Netflix shows. We've reviewed quite a few, but Queen's Gambit, I'm thinking, as much as I loved Queen's Gambit. They made it for a dollar. They made it for, yes, a dollar seventy-five. Let's give a little grace. They made it for a dollar seventy-five. <laughs> and in some in some uh places you could see they made it for a dollar seventy-five, like that background of Moscow. I was like, that's CGI and terrible CGI at that. But you let it go because the story was so compelling and it was so good. Yeah, but you can't, and you're gonna do a superhero thing that's laden with special effects. The whole right. idea was they wanted to have all kinds of spinoff shows. There's so many characters in that Jupiter's Legacy universe and so many spin-off comics and characters. That you're going to have to spend money if you want to establish that universe. And then after, if you want to take some of the other characters that had less flashy powers and you wanted to basically do a spinoff, you could do that. But you needed to establish it and you needed to spend money to do it in the first place. They tried to do it on the cheap. And then what shockingly, it looked cheap. So they had to go in and spend even more money in the end. Why can't why didn't they what, what, the the director tried to be honest with you initially and say, this is how much it's going to cost. If you want a show that looks like Disney Plus, you're going to have to spend the money. And Netflix is all like, no, you can do it with these coupons. And then like... <laughs> and then, <laughs> you could do it with these Trader Joe's gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out they couldn't do it. They couldn't do anyway, it. So that show is over. Another show that uh, is getting the boot, and there was talk about it maybe being resurrected by Peacock, but the bird said, no dice. That show is Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? The band is not playing on. I am sorry. It is over after two seasons. Um, so it's a lot of, there are a lot of diehard fans. I shouldn't say a lot of diehard. There's a lot, their fans of the show are diehard. They're not big in numbers, but they are big in love. And so they're going to have to sing some songs to get to console themselves. Well, the showrunner, <laughs> Austin Winsberg, uh, basically went on Twitter last week and urged fans to make their displeasure known known is that the more fan support we can throw behind it the better okay so does that mean that's really the end or uh well it'll be interesting to see if somebody else picks it up but as of now the uh the home the they were hoping the other home potentially for it would be peacock but peacock has said uh pass on it I don't think it's going to get picked up anywhere else because of the fact that, A, the show is, was produced and owned by NBC, I believe. Yeah. And so that means if it goes somewhere else, they're going to have to pay a chunk of money to NBC anyway. Um, if if uh, So the idea they're going to take this show that didn't do well on its original platform and then take it and move it to a new platform and introduce it to an audience on that platform and give a piece of that money to NBC – just does does not seem likely now unless now maybe after the fact if it goes someplace like netflix and turns into a huge thing on netflix because that has happened shows that have been canceled move to netflix and all of a sudden discover a wider audience than they ever uh than they ever got in their original home and then there might be talk about resurrecting it or doing some kind of movie or something um in the future but that that's it's gonna a lot of ifs have to uh hurdle or if hurdles have to be jumped over before you get to resurrecting it in any kind of form but it goes back to the thing i'm always saying 
this show had enough of a fan base that they should have done some kind of wrap-up movie. There's a, another show that's been announced that's been canceled is Debris, uh, another another sci-fi thing that had some kind of huge sci-fi shocking cliffhanger. People are going to left, be left wondering forever about you know what happened and who survived. So not cool, NBC not cool you need to do some kind of wrap-up movies the same thing with netflix they've been canceling stuff like there's no tomorrow jupiter's legacy people are very upset the people that got into that that they're not going to get any kind of resolution do some kind of wrap-up movie it doesn't cost that much to to put a period at the end of these sentences because i don't even try to watch any of these sci-fi things like debris i saw the trailer for it it looked amazing and i'm like i'm not even starting any stuff like this because nothing annoys me more within these mystery box shows and you're like left with all kinds of questions uh at the end of the season and then the show doesn't come back and you're left to tell the your dying day wondering like why did that little girl was why was she the only one to survive the plane crash what was going on with her why was the red door room throbbing what was happening never gonna know mm. wow well you heard it from kevin <laughs> don't present him with any uh superfluous shows because he's not getting invested not even a little no. all right <laughs> what's next all right so let's talk a little bit about medea medea character of tyler perry alter ego you would say of tyler perry mm -hmm. we thought that tyler perry said that she he was putting medea to rest went on somewhere to georgia to retire in the mountains or whatever well apparently her snooze alarm went off <laughs> exactly and she came back and said hello as she always does <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently Netflix she's coming to Netflix so speaking of Netflix has set a quote a, a Medea homecoming it's actually called a Medea homecoming from Tyler Perry and they're going to bring her out of retirement for the 12th film I can't believe that it's already been that there are 11 Medea films I, did, I can't believe that <sighs> <Wow>. <laughs> Could you sigh a little bit less and fix your face, Kevin? <laughs> oh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it, it premieres during Black History Month. So, yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it's supposed to be released on Netflix in 2022. I would hope that everybody's done with that stupidness of only premiering things during Black History Month. We, we, we exist 365. We are relevant 365. So stop that nonsense. So hopefully not. <laughs> Well, instead of Black History, they should release it under Black Shame Month because, you know. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I don't know what month it is, but they, they need to create one just to release it for just for that. Okay, great. <laughs> Stop it, Tyler Perry. You have enough money. Oh, no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> so he's going to it's going to be uh executive produced by him and michelle sneed it's going to be shot entirely at the tyler perry studios and released in 2022 as i said on netflix so it's going to be perry's third film at netflix following the 2020s a fall from grace and the upcoming a jazz man's blues which is starring joshua boone and salia pfeiffer so it's not it's also not the only Medea project in the works okay there is a prequel series that is coming to Showtime. Oh, dear God. Call, listen now, called Mabel. And it's going to be an origin story. Now, Mabel is Medea's real name. Okay. For those of you who are not familiar with Medea, it's really not a term. Sorry, it's not a name. It's a term that is a, uh, you know, a mashup for Ma Deer, 
or mother dear. So my dear, that's what that comes from. Okay, so her origin story. So we're gonna find out how she got her superpowers. Yes, how how Medea came to be. <laughs> so it's created by Tyler Perry and Tim Palin and written by Empire Writers Sisters duo Janika James and Jashika James. Now they're twin writers um, in Hollywood. And I am surprised he is letting anybody else write anything. But Showtime was probably like, look now, you can't write every damn thing. Yeah, you need to have an actual writer write this. Exactly, exactly. Oh, well, so, the story writes itself. I'm sure that what happened was that uh, is Mabel was on a school field trip to a science lab and she got bitten by a radioactive spider and the rest <laughs> is history. <laughs> oh, goodness. They do need to make her a superhero. That would be awesome. So, See, why anyway. did you say that out loud? Because you know he's going to do you know, he's a longtime fan of the show. You know, he's going to steal your idea and not give you a dollar. Well, that's okay. It, I'm, I won't say what I was going to say. Anyway, let's move. On. <laughs> we still, we still need to have. Well, you know, there will probably be some, uh, some uh, Medea merch uh, being sold in a brand new store. Yes. Now that's the cool thing because speaking of Netflix and all the wonderful Netflix shows, Netflix has launched an online store for apparel and toys inspired by hit series like Lupin and Stranger Things. They unveiled it uh, a couple of days ago. It's Netflix.shop and it's an online storefront. You can buy a whole bunch of things and more than just uh, apparel and toys, you could also uh buy you know, tickets to events and also buy games inspired by your favorite Netflix series and films. So here's the, here's a couple of the things that are going to uh, be in there. There are in there. Now they're introducing a streetwear and, ac and action figures inspired by two anime series, Eden and Yasuke. And then the, uh, and Yasuke, I, I still need to watch because it's about the first black samurai. So I still need to watch that. And uh, they're also releasing limited edition apparel and decorative items inspired by French spy drama Lupin and in collaboration with the Louvre Museum. 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 <laughs> the Louvre Museum. Uh, they also said they're working with up-and-coming designers on products, including Natalie Nguyen, Christopher Kite, and Jordan Bentley, who created Eden and Yasuke launches. They better not have any Hilda merchandise. If they have a Hilda shirt or uh, yeah, I have to have it. Uh, I don't, I don't see it on here, but it may be that I would say go to Netflix.shop and see. But they're also going to have some stuff from The Witcher. You know who'd like that tone? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stranger Things. Um, also, it's going to be powered by Shopify, of course. That's huge. That's a huge boon to Shopify. Uh, they're also uh, they're also going to be in select stores with uh, will select retail partners like Walmart, Sephora, Amazon, and Target, and it's going to roll out internationally in the coming months. So uh, they're getting into uh, e-commerce too. Now it's not just movies anymore. Wow! No, that that's absolutely huge. Anybody who's been to any of the Disney Disney home store, they 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 mine every one of their intellectual properties they the most obscure characters they will have backpacks and shoes and hoodies they, yeah so there's there is money to be made there is money to be made and they are not leaving they will leave no dollar behind i'm not mad at them though i'm not mad at them you know what? Get back to me after I see the Hild if I see the Hildy backpack. If it looks good, then yeah, I'll be sporting it. You'll you'll catch me with it on Instagram. 
Okay. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> so, speaking of being bitten by a radioactive spider, what is going on with Issa Rae? Issa Rae has been cast as Spider Woman in the Spider Verse sequel. So, not only so Insecure is ending, they actually just shot um, the final uh, season, right? Which is season five. So the Spider-Verse actually got a little more insecure, <laughs> if you know what <laughs> we mean. So according to The Hollywood Reporter and Essence, Issa Rae is going to join the cast of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse as Jessica Drew, also known as Spider-Woman. So she's going to be alongside Shamik Moore from Dope and Netflix's The Get, Get, Get Down and Haley Steinfeld from Pitch Perfect 2 and Bumblebee. So uh, this is a dream come true for her, she says. She says this, the way that I have loved Spider-Man since the third grade, a dream come true. So absolutely. I cannot get over this. I'm excited because I was stunned at how much I loved Into the Spider-Verse. Me too. That movie was so much fun. It and was everything. I- I watched it more than once. The music, everything about it, the colors, the everything. The movie was insane. I can't wait for the sequel. And the fact that Issa Rae is on board and playing Spider-Woman, I literally can't wait. And um, I can't wait for the merch as well. So, yeah, more merch. Absolutely. And to, to let you know, I have, I'm going to have to show you a picture of when I was four. I loved Spider-Man. I had a Spider-Man t-shirt. I was Spider-Man for Halloween twice. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror because the mask scared me, but I was Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why it scared you because he does whatever a spider can. He spins a web any size. He catches, catches thieves, thieves just, just like, like flies. flies. Look out. Here <laughs> comes the Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yes. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's, He's got, got radioactive blood. blood. Can he sway from a web? Take a look. Overhead. Overhead. <laughs> hey there, there goes the Spider-Man. <laughs> We're getting so sued. I know, right? <laughs> the views expressed by the two people pretending to be Tachi and Kevin are not necessarily the views. <laughs> oh, it's our evil twins. Right, our- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so not the evil twins. We've come to the end of another episode of TV channeling. So where can people listen to our show other than where they're listening right now? Well, if you choose to listen on another platform, you can listen to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, WJMSRadio.com on Tuesdays and Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. And you can also, if you can't remember any of that, listen to us on tvchanneling.com. If you go there, you can listen to all the latest episodes plus past episodes, which are hilarious in our opinion. And while you're on your favorite podcasting platform, be sure to leave a great review. We would appreciate it. And subscribe because then you get all of the episodes that drop right away straight to you and you don't have to look for us. Isn't that easy? so easy i know we've done too much we've done too much for you all (laughs) and in case you think we haven't done enough and you would like to tell us so on social media kevin how can they reach us on social 
All right. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. And we're on my personal favorite, Twitter. And we are at Last Weekly everywhere. Uh, so don't please... you mean TV channeling everywhere? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's okay. Because oh. I'm part of the Last Weekly family, too. You so are. Okay. So I'm a little tired. Yeah. All right. Okay. We are <laughs> <laughs> we're on we try it again take two we're on facebook we're on instagram and we're on my personal favorite twitter and we are at tv everywhere at tv yes. channeling everywhere and we would love to hear from you so please follow us on all your favorite social media platforms and reach out so if there's a show you'd like us to review if there's something going on in the world of pop culture you want to hear our take on let us know if you just want to complain about us finding a way to sing in every single episode we want to hear it. let us know we want to hear from you yeah <laughs> oh goodness wow well we're about done are we not yes we are it's been okay. an amazing show we had so much fun we're so in trouble though i am not looking forward we're gonna get there will be blowback from this episode but it's so worth it. So I so don't care. So fantastic. You all are the reason we do this. We appreciate every listen. We appreciate every comment. We appreciate every review, every star. Thank you so, so, so much. And as we coast into this fifth year, we just want to say we appreciate you. And we appreciate that you now have spent a whole bunch of time listening to us. So we're going to let you get back to whatever it was you were doing before you started listening to us. Let us sign off in the ways that the ancestors did. Bye from Tachi. And goodbye from Kevin. And remember, here at TV Channeling, we watch bad TV so you don't have to. Or listen to Jeffrey Tubin. Cheers. <laughs> Better than watching him. Exactly. <laughs> Bye.